Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, and I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It's giving me light and direction. It's healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. 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 I said amen. amen. So that means healing is coming again today. Amen. Let's pay the Lord what he needs. What is it that he needs? Attention. That is not money. It's attention. It's respect for the word. It's regard for the word of God. Like I said, if you are streaming from home, stop cooking. Stop ironing. I hope you're getting my point. Go and settle down somewhere. Focus on that screen. If you are using um, Facebook, uh, Twitter, and um, YouTube, focus on this screen. If you're on Mixer, just make sure you're standing so that you don't fall asleep. Focus, and the power of God will enter into your life. In the name of Jesus Christ. All right, the Lord is good. Let's take our seats. All right, um, I want to continue talking about the entrance of faith. That is how faith enters into our hearts. We began to look at that last time. And I said that if anybody is um, joining us from that last time, and of course also today, should remember that we began this year uh, talking about how to connect with spiritual power. So you can get those messages. The very title escapes me a bit now, but it's something like Connection to Spiritual Power series. So just try and get the message or the messages Start at the beginning, and you can continue from this point afterwards. All right, so we began to look at how faith comes in um, into our hearts, and uh, we have been looking at the story of the centurion, how Jesus said this man had great faith, and how did he have great faith? is explained to Jesus, and this is the interesting part. There are only two persons that Jesus ministered to that he commended all right, and commented on their faith as being great. And the two of them spoke with him with explanation concerning um, something that was going on. One is this centurion who Jesus wanted to come to his house, and he said, you don't have to come to my house. All you need to do is speak the word, and my servant will be healed. And he explained the reason why he said it. He said it's because I am a man under authority, I'm also a man who has people under me. That is, I wield authority also. So I say to my servant, go. He goes. I say to this, do that, and he does it. And if Rome is going to send me, and I didn't say this, I'm just adding it to call. Before I explain what he was saying. And if the commanders in Rome, the authorities in Rome, if they want me to do something, all they need to do is send what in the military we call a signal. Are you getting my point? A signal is an instruction. It can be those it probably, they probably write it on the scroll, and then I will do exactly what they ordered. You understand? They don't have to come here. So he said, in the same way, you don't have to come to my house. If indeed you are the Jesus we have heard about, then speak the word only, and my servant will be healed. And that explanation really impressed the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, I have not seen faith like this, not even in Israel. And I said, what does that tell you? If you understand the way spiritual things work, faith will creep into your heart. If you understand the way spiritual things work, faith will creep 
into your heart. I hope you're getting my point. You see, I don't know what I'm going to get there today. Because, but anyway, I want to say something about hearing, all right? We're going to get to that hearing matter again. Because what you need to do is to build on the seed of faith you have in your heart as a child of God. What many people don't do is to build up that faith. How do you build it up? Improve your spiritual understanding. Increase your knowledge of spiritual truths. Increase your knowledge. And that's what I began to do that last time. I'm, deli- I'm not really going to be teaching on faith, faith per se, all right? Using, but I, we just want to be espousing spiritual truths, expounding spiritual truths, so that people will see those things and know that they are real, all right? The other woman, let me not forget, you know, what I said, there are two of them. The other one is a Syrophoenician woman. And that woman, being a Gentile, came to the Lord Jesus Christ and asked for healing for her daughter. Two things. You may, rem- you may remember that both of these people, okay, bear them in mind, are Gentiles. And both of them came to ask for healing for somebody else, which reminds you of the power of love. All right? They were not even the ones sick. The first one, his servant. This one, his, her daughter. And the woman came also because she was not a Jew. And Jesus was sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel in the first phase of his ministry, which ended at the cross. And then we are now the second phase, what Isaiah called the prolongation of his days. That's what we are. In the second phase, he said, go into all the world. In the first phase, he spoke to them specifically. Go only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. They are the only ones. Don't go the way of the Gentiles. That was a restriction. In fact, when the Greeks came and they asked to see Jesus, Jesus knew the hour had come. By the time Gentiles began to look for him, the Greeks traveled. They came to see him. He knew the hour has come. They said, these people want to see you. He did not answer them. He began to talk about the cross. He knew this is the time to go to the cross. Now, so in that first stage of his ministry, that woman came, a Gentile, and he asked for healing. And he said, he didn't answer her, of course. You remember the story? And the disciples were like, the apostles, they were like, oh, Lord, answer this woman. Now, okay, dismiss her, explain to her. So Jesus said, fine, call her. Is it right to give the bread that's supposed to be for the children and give to dogs? And let me explain something. <laughs> the dogs that time were not household pets. They are not your German shepherds and your coolies and your, what's the name of this rat dog? Um, eh? The Chihuahua, huh? No, they're not, uh, sorry, it's one man that calls him a rat dog. That's it. <laughs> All right. If you ever watch Shark Tank, uh, what's the name of that man there? Victory. Yeah, Kevin O'Leary. Very, very funny human being. So he calls him a rat dog. Now, they're not your pets, the kind of pets that um, we deal with. That they were mostly strict dogs. I hope you're getting my point. So they are even lower than pets. No pets are like, um, according to Oyinboman, part of the family. <laughs> I got a dog, it's not a part of the family. <laughs> it's a dog, and I like the, I love the dog, all right? But Oyinboman would say it's part of your family, all right? But so they, those, that wasn't the kind of dog. They were street dogs, okay? Dog, when you hear that uh, Jezebel with that, and dogs licked the, the blood. That's the kind of dog we're talking about. So Jesus just explained to the woman, is it right to take the food that the children are supposed to eat, and then you give to those dogs. The woman said, but sometimes crumbs fall. You sweep them, you throw them out. Don't they eat them? And Jesus said, okay. The woman is asking for crumbs. Now, a lot of things, that woman's own story, eh, let me tell you the truth, is much more powerful to me than the Roman centurion. Because one, number one, she received healing from a distance, just like he did for somebody else. Number two, she demonstrated a kind of humility that 
very few people in this world, this, today's world, today's world is the craziest world I have experienced since I've, that I've been alive. And I've been alive since I was born, if you know what I'm going to say. <laughs> today's world is crazy. You can't see anything again. This man just resigned from where he used to work, hosting a program in the British TV network. What is his name? P.S. Morgan. And I'm not, I'm not his fan. I don't like him personally for certain reasons. But this one, I had to agree with him. Because um, Princess of... Uh, what's the prin- She's Princess of what? Success. Success. Uh-huh. Uh, whatever. Duchess of... Uh, okay, yes. She's... Anyway. One duke and duchess of somewhere. What's that? Uh, Megan. Megan says some things. And the man said, I don't believe that thing she said about her mental state. That the effect of presence in the palace, what they had on her mental state. I don't believe. They sacked him. That kind of say you don't believe. He said, well, he said, sorry, I'm going to my mountain of free opinion to go and rest. He said, I have a right to my, it's a free speech. You understand? He said, I have a right to my opinion. The woman says something, must I agree? This world right now is a crazy world. Somebody sent me a funny video. I laughed. A man said, he has to apologize. He said, it's like killing two birds with one stone. They have to apologize to the bird community, the bird watchers community. How can you threaten to kill birds with a stone? It was a joke, but that's how this world has reached. There's anything you do now. They are now, they are canceling shows produced 50 years ago that contain some racist comments. Anyway, the world is upside down. Let us stand straight in Christ. What am I trying to say? If it's today, that woman would never have gotten healed. When Jesus said that, can you give the, the children's bread to dogs? Head, headlines tomorrow morning. Twitter. The healer in Galilee called this woman a dog. You now see jobless people sit on TV and say, what do you think about the dog statement? He said, you see, the dog. <laughs> now here that is trending. Hush, call her a dog. You know, that's the hang him, crucify him. That is, this world of today, people are, you know, so anyway, let me not, let me not leave my, my message. The woman did not fall for it. You call me a dog? Is that what it takes to get healed? Woo, woo! <laughs> let me back for you. She said, well, if that's the issue, crumbs that fall. And Jesus realized something, that's what I'm going to make. When the woman demonstrated spiritual insight, he said, daughter, great is thy faith. Spiritual insight, you can see, is the key to great faith. That's why I'm going with all of this talk. The key to great faith is spiritual insight. That's why Paul will always pray. I pray that God will open the eyes of your understanding. Because faith is not possible without understanding. It's not. Spiritual insight is the key to great faith. Every child of God has a seed of faith in them. How big it grows is dependent on how much you feed it with insight. It's dependent on how much you feed it with understanding. When God wants people not to be blessed, he has to withhold their understanding. He said they will hear, they will not understand. They will see, they will not perceive. The key to great faith is spiritual understanding. That is why you, listen, you don't have a choice. You have to feed your soul with this bread from heaven. 
you must feed your life with, with the word of God. With, see, two things you must read. Your Bible and teachings of the word of God. That's number one. Number two, testimonies from those who have experienced the power of God. Those two things. Ah, please. If I let's say three. Number one, I want to break the first one into two. Number one is what? The Bible, scriptures. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Read that the law. Read the writings or the Daniel, Esther, um, you know, uh, what do you call those ones? What they call the writings. Then the Psalms, you read. Then the prophets, you must read. Then when you are done, remember the New, Te- New Testament. Uh, just by the way, there is nothing old anywhere. That name, Old Testament, used to, co- to describe Genesis to Malachi is unfortunate. It's an unfortunate description. So you see here Christians saying that it was written to the Jews. It is old. No. It's called the oracles of God. What do I call them? Uh, sorry, not me. It's Paul that called them that. He said they are the oracles of God. And I like that name, oracle. I like the name oracle. Do you know why? Because I want Christians to realize that this is spiritual power we are dealing with. You know, we are Africans. If we say the saints of God, it sounds so churchy, very refined. It sounds European. When you say the oracle, and that one comes down home. So have you gone to see the oracle? If I'm talking, you have to be careful what I'm saying. You know? I mean, to interpret it. I can tell you, have you gone to see the oracle? I don't mean there's one oracle somewhere. I mean, have you gone to the corner? Have you brought out your scriptures? Have you checked what the oracles of God might be? I mean, let me open it for you. Quickly open the book of Romans. They think I'm the one that invented that expression. No. Oracles. That's what Paul called them. Those words. Romans chapter 3. He was talking about Jews and, all, and Gentiles. And then they explained the fact that New Testament is superior to the Old Testament. Now, you say, but you said, I didn't say there's no Old Testament. I said to describe Genesis to Malachi as Old Testament is a misnomer. The Old Testament was what was what, what Moses enacted with Israel on the Mount of Sinai. Alright? That's the Old Testament. That is that agreement is the Old Testament. It does not include Genesis. I hope you're getting my point. It doesn't. It started somewhere around Exodus. And it was, you know, anyway, let's talk about, we'll talk about that maybe in a moment. Let's just quickly read this. He said, then what advantage has the Jew? Or what is the benefit of circumcision? He said, great in every aspect. First of all, they were entrusted with what? The oracles of God. New Living Transition says they were entrusted with the whole revelation of God. Oracles I read from the New American Standard. He said they were entrusted with the oracles of God. That's what I just wanted to bring out. So in scripture, I didn't invent that word. So among the people that God called unto himself... Of course, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He now took the descendants of Jacob and had a covenant with them. And that covenant is called what? The Old Covenant. That's what is the Old Testament. It's not everything that you see over there. So the basis of their relationship was a covenant, which passed away when Jesus went to the cross. Because it was founded on the priesthood 
and certain sacrifices. And first of all, they had the law. Then they had the priesthood of the law. I hope you're getting my point. So the covenant, a priesthood, the covenant, a law of the covenant, and then the priesthood of the law. All of that passed away when Jesus went to the cross. He was a fulfillment of everything. Then that's when Hebrews said, I believe Paul, he said he took away the first. So he called the first covenant, all right, that he might establish the second. That one went away. But for the people that were under that covenant, he said he took the people and gave them special assignments. Amongst that was that he committed to them the oracles of God. I hope you're getting my point. He committed to them the oracles of God. Now, the oracles that he committed into their hands was not part of the covenant. I don't know whether you're getting my point. So the covenant could pass away. The oracles wouldn't pass away. The people were entrusted. Keep it for me. You are getting my point. They were entrusted with that thing to keep. So this morning I was, I, I, I was reading the book of Isaiah again. I just went to the second part of Isaiah because Isaiah is divided into two neat parts. And I was just seeing understanding. So I'm trying to emphasize to us that don't have this impression because those days when I um, were learning the word of God, there was one thing that was common in our teachings. They would say that, why are you reading what was written to the Jews? No, the oracles of God were not written to the Jews. They were kept by the Jews. They were not written to the Jews. They were kept by the Jews. So the book of Psalms was not written to the Jews. It was kept by them. God poured it into the earth, mostly through David. You are getting my point. And they left the instructions for all of us. They were even their own stories were recorded for our learning. Because I was told that, that no, you should spend most of your time reading the New Testament. No, no, no. That teaching is unnecessary. Read both old, what they call old, which I call what? No, not what I call, what Jesus called it. The law and the prophets. Because the, what we call Old Testament is actually divided into three parts. The law, the writings, and the prophets. To them, Samuel, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, 2 Kings is part of the prophets. They call that the former prophets. Then Isaiah, Jeremiah, um, Ezekiel, you have to, then you jump Daniel, and you continue like that. They call them the latter prophets. Daniel is part of the writings. All of these things, okay, were recorded for our learning. And instructions for us, they are inside there. Isaiah chapter 53 should be one of the greatest chapters in the whole Bible. Because without that Isaiah 53, understanding what Jesus did on the cross <laughs> will be hard. And until Jesus went to the cross, nobody could explain Isaiah 53. I hope you're getting my point. Isaiah 53 is core, is key. When you take Isaiah 53 and go to the book of Hebrews, my father, you will see what Jesus is. What he did. Without Isaiah 53, Habba. So you see, of course, do I need to tell you about the book of Psalms? The promises of God all over the place. What am I trying to say? Take your whole Bible. Read. Fill your head. Fill your heart with spiritual information. That is how faith comes in. That's number one. Some things are hard to understand. It's a matter of fact. In the scriptures. 
I've heard people say things like, the Bible is so simple, you need to have somebody help you misunderstand it. That's just fine preaching. It's not true. Okay, the person saying he doesn't understand Revelation, he's confused. <laughs> Difficult Revelation. I hope you're getting my point. So I'm not saying the Bible is too hard to understand. I'm saying some things may not be that easy to understand. Which is why one of the gifts of God to his church is what you call teachers. Well, actually, I believe it's just one of his. Pastors and teachers. Again, we say many things. They say there are fivefold ministers. I say no, fourfold. Because Paul said there are what? He said he gave some, Ephesians chapter 4, as apostles. And he gave some as prophets. He gave some as evangelists. He gave some as pastors and teachers. He didn't break that like he broke the rest. When I, I, I was careful to observe that, he didn't break that one. For a long time, you know the interesting part, for a long time when I was young in school, I used to wonder, how come he wrote that differently? Why didn't he write it the way he wrote the other ones? It was later on I realized what he was saying. Because he said through Jeremiah in chapter 3, he said, I will give you pastors after my heart who will feed you with what? Knowledge and understanding. I said, oh, that's the reason. The job of the pastor is to instruct with knowledge and understanding. He is not an administrator. Modern day, we take our pastors as if the head of a church. Now, please, I don't, I'm not going to be critical, just that we have to keep on explaining things. The fact that the pastor is the head of a church is our modern day way of doing things. So it's not like that in New Testament times. So we just adapted it now to whoever heads a church has to have the title pastor, not necessarily. I'm not going to discuss church administration now, but just to let you know that the title pastor is not an administrative position. It's not a leadership position. It's an anointing to teach the scriptures. And many times in our churches, we have baptized people who are totally not called to teach. Some not even called to, the, to, to, to what we call the fivefold ministry at all because there are so many things, the, uh, offices in the body of Christ. We take people who are responsible, who come to church regularly, we want to give them an administrative position in the church, we give them the title, pastor. Nothing wrong. Why don't you call him an elder and say in this branch, the head of this, of the administration and the most senior believer here is Elder John. Where is he? Where is he hiding? Anyway, he's somewhere there. Oh, behind the camera. Okay. Oh, he's, look at him standing in front of me. I'm looking for him everywhere. <laughs> the Lord is good. Now, really, personally, I don't see anything wrong with it. I don't see anything wrong with it. Church administration is the job of elders. Apostles, we appoint them. I hope you're getting my point. The, church, the pastor is not supposed to be the one supervising. How did they share the meat? That is called neglecting <laughs> the ministry of the word and attending to tables. What makes you a pastor according to the Bible? I'm not talking about our modern way of doing things. All right. Modern days, the pastor is the head of a branch, the head of a parish, the head of a region, you know, the head of a country. No. Scriptures didn't use that. You can have the head of a branch being, in my, the way I understand it, let me not sit on it, okay? Being an evangelist by calling. Being in the ministry of helps. And generally, the leadership should be plural. I hope I get my point. Alright, generally, but let's not sit on that. What I want to sit on is that he gave pastors and teachers, it's one office, not two. Because the primary duty of the pastor is to teach. 
That's why Paul didn't break it. He joined them. He, he, he joined them, pastor and teacher. I hope you're getting my point. It's like saying Lord and Master. It's not you are Lord, you are Master. I don't know. Are you getting my point? It's one person. And the primary duty is to feed you. Listen, if you are going to a church, a man uses it. Listen, let's say like the way it is. Use the title pastor. And he feeds you with entertainment. He feeds you with how to organize. Customer care. He feeds you with seven steps to develop your business. Please go somewhere else. You are not in the church. Your spirit is starving. And the confidence of soul and the strength of spirit are not the same thing. Yes, it's important. That's one of the things people don't realize. That you are excited does not mean your faith is high. <laughs> people think that once they are excited, woo, 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 faith may not be built up. You may be cool, not saying anything. But you are imbibing spiritual truth. Your faith, I told you the, the, the Roman centurion did not know he had faith. He didn't know what faith was. He had no idea that there's something called faith. He just said, we need help. Please, we have to go to that Jesus. Get me some people that can intercede on my behalf before him. Then when he encountered that Jesus Christ, he said, ha, he has such immense respect for him as if this man is like Caesar in the realm of the spirit. He understood the power of Caesar in natural things. He said, this is the Caesar of the spirit. So he said, Caesar, when did Caesar start running up and down? They don't run up and down. They issue commands. Say, speak the word only, and my servant will be healed. He did not know he had faith. He just had understanding. So if you go to a place, because like we are talking yesterday, the ignorance in the body of Christ is frightening. And I'm not talking about amongst common Christians, the normal Christians. I'm talking about those who use the name pastor. You hear somebody who's saying um, he's a pastor. Saying the Bible says pray for your leaders. Do not say what to pray for them. So tell them to die because you don't like him. What did you say pray for? When they pray forever, become pray, pray against. You don't know there's a difference? Some of them still think that Jonah swallowed the fish. Because they think it's a fish somebody cooked and um, they gave to Jonah. Now Jonah swallowed. Ignorance I'm talking about. It's a terrible thing. Please, oh, I'm going to say something. I know I've been told before that I cause trouble. I've heard it from different quarters. I heard it from far, as far away as Portacot. That who? Pastor Banky, that one causing problems in Enugu. I said, praise God. One day somebody told me that, uh, Susan and Superson said that uh, uh, what, what Pastor Banky is doing is not good. So the brother came to tell me. I said, go and tell Susan and Superson to keep prophesying and let me keep teaching. But the person said, he's a prophet. I said, tell him to keep prophesying. I, I didn't even get into a discussion with the person. Somebody told me, that pastor once, let's go and see Pastor Banky. What he's doing is not good. That one said, I should go and see Pastor Banky. So I can lose my respect before him. What am I doing that's not good? You all know. You all know. Because, you know, like we were saying yesterday, when you, the Bible says you shall know the truth. And the truth shall do what? Make you free, set you free. You know the truth? It even sets you free from the preacher. Yes. And that's, that's the problem I'm causing. Because I've been telling Christians, they realize that I don't, there's, no, there's no father that's covered over my head. That, because I've seen preachers who threaten to withdraw the cover over your head. 
People who listen to me, they are not moved by rabble rousers who raise money. So people now say, these people are not giving because they've listened to Pastor Banky. I say, yes, give them a word. Those who have really listened to me, I don't, I'm not saying those who are hiding behind me. Those who are the wicked souls. <laughs> there are some rebels that are following Jesus Christ, thinking that he will fight Rome. They never liked the Pharisees because they thought the Pharisees were part of the establishment that subjected them to the rule of Rome. They are called zealots. They were zealots who followed Jesus, thinking that he will liberate them physically. So there are some wicked souls like that. That's why one brother came in the other day. They said, he asked me, I want to ask a question. So I called, please come and answer his question. He said, what do you think about first fruit? I said, Pastor Kemote, don't answer him. I said, don't answer him. I said, you, you, you look like you don't want to give. You are looking for where to hide. If you are not a regular giver, give first fruits only. <laughs> People have given no fruit at all. They are asking you about first fruits. They've given no fruit at all. No pastor has ever eaten their money. No, no, no church. No church can say, okay, this thing, now this bro give us. They are driving expensive cars. Building houses. Now that you say, Titan is it compulsory? Before we discover that it's compulsory or not, let us see your record of how you have been given to anything. Some people want to build their house, buy their carpet before they give to church. You, you are too wicked. That car will burn. Spiritual wickedness in high places. That's how you know them. They, they want church to close, pastors to starve. If they see a pastor driving a fine car, say, where did they get it from? Why didn't you ask your doctor where he got this fine car from? I ever seen a lawyer and say, where did you get your car from? When is a pastor you want to know? <laughs> Nonsense. I was, <laughs> I didn't provoke. <laughs> I just seemed like this. Yesterday, me and Pastor Corey spent 30 minutes on the, on the phone talking this thing. We just vex for each other there. You go vex, I go vex, two of all your vexing in taunt. You will not come and hide behind Pastor Bank. The Pastor Bank is not tight. Tight. Before he started quoting me, I produced through my teaching generous givers. Generous givers. If you're not a generous giver, don't quote me. You and I don't have the same spirit. Don't quote the letters of the things that I say. Quote the spirit. Did I say Titus is not composed for Christians? Yes, that's what the Bible teaches. It's not even stipulated once that Christians should get involved in it. What we do modern day is modern day arrangement. However, there is a spirit of the tithe. What's the spirit of the tithe? Honor God. Take care of ministers of the gospel. Take care of the work of ministry. Help the needy. If you are doing that, then you can be arguing, you can be saying that tithing is not a compulsory. But if you are a wicked, like a Jews, you know why God gave them the law? He said these people, they are, you know when somebody is a Jew? You know what it means? That's what John was saying yesterday. <laughs> Nothing they drop. So God said, wait, wait, you must drop 10%. So it's the Jewishness of our souls that made pastors come up with those doctrines. Yes, sir. But God said something. I told him I'm going to quote it. I've left my message. I know where I stopped the message. I will go back there. I know the last night I said, I won't even ask you. No, normally we ask, what was I saying? I know it. <laughs> but God said something yesterday. And I said, I told him I will quote this thing. He said, no Christian is allowed to run any commentary on pastors and money unless they are first consistent and diligent givers. 
Don't ask, why, is, why does the pastor have private jet? Unless you are a consistent giver to the work of ministry and ministers of the gospel, you must never ask that question or God will be angry with you. If pastors are raising money, you must never pass a comment unless you are a diligent and consistent giver. Do you know why? Hunger makes some of them raise money. And you are the reason they are hungry. Has it ever happened to you? You sit at home, no money. You have a wife, you have kids, the children have to eat. And the only job you do is pastoring. You get to church on Sunday, they come and, says you come and dedicate motorcar. Then you'll be there. A Kaleva, Father, we thank you. This car shall not jump. Left to me, it shall jump. <laughs> but in your heart, you can't, you know, your mouth, you can't say it. Because this is three million naira dropped, five million naira dropped, sometimes brand new. Twelve million naira you are looking at like that. And you, this man, say you are his pastor and you have not eaten. And you say he shouldn't raise money. Why won't he raise money? He thinks everybody that have the discipline of some people. Not everybody has those disciplines. I tell ourselves the truth. Many of the pastors who are preaching lies about money is the wickedness of the saints that push them. Like one of my friends said, they say, come and dedicate baby. They bring baby to church. You go pray, finish. Then they'll go and kill cow and be doing party. You will look the party. Then look the offering basket, 5,000 naira. Cow, 200,000 naira. They drink alone. Under 200k. I can do a basic that came to play. <laughs> 500,000. They look the offering basket. <laughs> you go do like the beginning, go begin converse. They won't know why. <laughs> they don't go see the vexation. They bring baby back. Say, eh, pray? No. Let me see your seed. Say, there is a seed for the healing of this child. It's hunger. Hunger. You are the one that caused it. They now bring an offering. Say, seed, 200K. Seeds in Jesus' name. Conversion will stop. Say, there's a cover that I've used to cover your head. <laughs> After that day, you'll be bringing money regularly. Now you're in bondage. The pastor will go to hell, I know, but two of you are going together. That's the point I'm trying to make. <laughs> two of you shall go together. <laughs> if you think he's going to go alone, Lila is dragging all the wicked souls with him. Say, they made me lie. But, bro, pastor, I'm not justifying anything. I'm just trying to encourage believers to wake up to reality. Amen? Amen. The pressure must never make you twist the word of God. It's better to die in hunger. All right? And in righteousness. So don't get me wrong. All right? You know, I told you I knew where I was. I told you I knew where I was. I was just trying to tell you why they say I'm a problem causer. That's why I went in that direction. Yes, I do cause problems, and I like it. I like that reputation. You know, blessed are you when men persecute you. Amen? Amen. So what I was trying to say is that if you are in a place nobody is feeding you, please get out. That's where I was going. You have to. You can't be entertained on Sunday. Your time wasted by small, small boys trying to prove that they have an anointing when they don't have during the week. Prayer meeting, you are there killing enemies, killing enemies, and looking for missing placenta. A whole week will pass. Your faith is not being built up and you are still sitting down there. You are a gluten for punishment. Faith is built up as you are being fed with knowledge and with what? Understanding. That's the only thing that builds up the seed of faith that is inside every believer. What is the seed of faith? It's God's spirit inside you that does two things. One, it makes you love the word of God 
and make sure you agree with it. That second thing is very important. You don't rebel when they say God created the heavens and the earth. You just accept it. It's a seed of faith. You must use it early. You feed it. You read the law and the prophets. Like I was saying, you read the New Testament, the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, the account of his life in the Gospels. You read the instructions given by his apostles that he taught by himself. You are getting my point. You read the revelations that he gave to Paul. That's the first thing. Then the second thing I was saying, that so sometimes some things are hard to understand. That's why we went to the pastor issue. Remember that. And so God gave pastors to teach the word of God. They will help you see what you would not have seen by yourself. The Bible is not that easy. Sometimes. That's why Philip asked the Ethiopian, you know, do you understand what you are reading? The man said, how can I accept somebody helps me understand it? Then Philip joined his chariot and helped him understand it. Paul wrote letters. Peter said some things are hard to understand. He said the unlearned, they twist them to their own destruction. So there are things that Paul wrote only the learned could understand. I don't know what I get my point. The people that would understand had to be first learned. Learned the spiritual things. Then they'll be able to decode what Paul was saying. One of the things that Paul said, which, you know, some of the people I, found, I respect, I said, couldn't they see it? They said God is coming specially for the Jews. Paul said he broke down the wall of partitioning. That God does not recognize inside the church, Jew or Gentiles. And there is no promise to Jews that he will fulfill outside Christ. Otherwise, Christ died in vain. And in Christ, there's no difference between Jew and Gentiles. So all the promises are for people who are in Christ. Gentiles, you get in there, you become a Christ person, you collect your own. As much as any Jew, because there's no Jew inside once they're in Christ. Revelations that Paul brought, brought. Difficult to understand for some people till today. That's why I said the second line. You read and pay attention, because there's many of them in teachings like we are doing right now, to people that are, that are anointed to teach the word of God. You will know them. Your spirit will just resonate. Somebody explains the word of God. It's just clear to you. You know, that is my teacher. Because Solomon said, now I'm in trouble. Why? I did not listen to the voice of my teachers. He said, your eyes will behold your teachers. The important thing is that each season of your life, there are people that God has packed with revelation for your spirit. Locate them, identify them, and stick there. And nobody should come and deceive you. He said, the man committed adultery before he died. It's none of your business. Jesus said that, do as they say. Anybody sitting in a particular seat of instruction, do as he's saying. Forget what he's doing. Because one of the things that Satan tries to do now, one man of God died the other day, a scandal, scandal. Before he died, he touched one woman, he touched another woman. Bros, I have listened to, I don't know how many hours of his messages. Pure, clean. And he preached against immorality. See, but did he do it? Is it relevant? He spoke the word of God. I hold on to that. If I, for all the scandal, they are scandaling themselves. Eh? People are saying, have you read this? I say, I don't want to read. Have you read this one? None of my business. I'm going to gather his videos on YouTube. I'm, I have a lot of his messages. I will sit down and feed my spirit with truth. Because men of God are but men. Who said they are infallible? Did Peter not deny Jesus Christ? What is worse? You touch one woman without her consent, or you deny Jesus. You better touch women and don't deny Jesus. 
Because whether you touch or not, if you deny, you they go hellfire. If you touch and you confess, we forgive you, you come to heaven. Nonsense. I'm not saying you should be touching people. I'm just trying to <laughs> No, but you, you get my point. Because Satan now wants to now undermine the ministry. One of the reasons why he didn't listen to anybody. I said, whether it's true or not, it's irrelevant. He don't die. Why didn't you say why he was alive? Why the man could defend himself? Have you ever been seen in a court case? Ah, they give you opportunity to defend yourself. I don't care how credible your investigation is and how true whatever allegation you say you have against the man is, your problem is gone. And they left for us, that's where I'm going, a, a, a treasure, you know, chest of revelation. You should, you should see the man preach. You should. God blessed him with an unusual kind of intellect. Maybe quoting and quoting and... Ah! Listen, I won't let anybody take faith away from that ministry from me. I won't. You won't undermine me. People, listen, the man who started the whole thing is an atheist. I'm not playing with you though. I'm going to use vexation to get more of those messages and listen. Because I'm old enough as a Christian. I've been studying the word of God. Listen, I'm not kidding. By myself. Now for 34 years. 1987 was when I became a personal student of the word of God. Listen, I studied the word of God in secondary school. I'm not counting that one. We, they used to go earlier at 5 a.m. to go and sing in Hamatan outside. Listen, they are, my children <laughs> come for early morning prayer. They are good children. They always come, all right? But I look now compared to my own secondary school. You are in secondary school, early morning prayer. Yo, how do you do? You first go and eat, have your bath, wear your school uniform, then sit in a comfortable sitting room. And then mommy or daddy will now come and be sharing the word. Me? They will wake me up, no food. Boarding house. We're going to go to one canal, Matango, they blow. This is the day, the day, that is. I heard the word of God that time. I'm not counting it. First year university. That was when I first read Five Hindrances to Growth in Grace by Kennedy Hagen. I'm not counting it. 87 was when I stood by myself. I said, no, we must know the scriptures. I'm going somewhere. So after all these years of consistently being a believer, consistently, there was no time. This I'm giving God glory. I'm not bragging. You understand? There was no time you had a banky backslid. I'm not saying I lived perfectly all the while. That's not one of them. But then, that I wasn't going to church and reading scriptures. That I joined by who they smoke, he go for two years, not once. I'm not going to bring out a point here. So if I tell you a man is anointed, believe me. I have the spirit, I can tell you. If I tell you a man is not called to ministry, believe me. If I tell you a man is a false prophet, believe me. I have the spirit of God. I have experience. If I tell you that joker in Lagos, Garden Morty, he's not born again. Believe me. I don't care how much offerings he's giving or the lies he's telling. And people have bought the lies. He's a false prophet. He's not even a Christian. And I don't... I, listen, I'm not even thinking about it. If I tell you a man they are scandalizing was anointed by the Spirit, believe me. If I tell you follow his, his instructions to the letter, believe me. 
One day they asked him about this homosexuality thing. I heard him talk. And I liked the way he answered. He said, listen, I travel a lot alone with my wife. I know the struggles. He didn't deny their struggles. That is, sorry, I traveled a lot, a lot alone without my wife, I wanted to say. Without. Two-thirds of his life he was on planes. Most times he's not at home. He stays in hotels most times. He didn't deny there were struggles. Ramadan said, let nobody remove your faith from such rich, that, that rich, ah, reservoir of precious word. Nobody is removing an iota of my faith from it. It's a gift of God. You want to talk about people touching women? David, David, if David was alive today, I wouldn't talk to him. Why would he be my friend? I'm a man of one woman. Do you know how many wives David had? Listen. The one I can count. I don't know how many wives. But his first six children were born by six. Sorry, his first six sons. Sons were born by six different women. Which meant that statistically, 12 women were pregnant. 12. You impregnate 12 women, you are not normal. (laughs) Apostle, one woman couldn't deliver two boys. Before the other ones, that is... Before you could do a second one, six women had given birth to six boys. Are you getting my point? The ones giving birth to girls, we did not count. So I dare to say, 12 women born became before the 13th, before anyone then could repeat. By Christian standards, that guy is a he goat. Meh. <laughs> By Christian standards. Yet, who wrote Psalm 23? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Though I walk the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. For the Lord is with me. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. He has prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He has anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. Sir, take the 17th wife. I don't care. You produce that psalm? Me and God, we are friends. God called me and said, Banky, don't follow David, woman, wife, so he keep us, you know. I said, Lord, I know. He said, just read Psalm 23. You don't read them? Yes. What about 91? Yes. 37? Yes. 34? Yes. Psalm 2? Why do the hidden rage? Have you read it? Say, yes, Lord, we have read all of these things. He said, please forget David and women. When you want an example for women, go and look to your father, Abraham. And please don't go near Higat. Honestly, if David was a Christian today, was alive today, if he was a member of our church, we'll sack him. You can't be an elder in our church. I don't care how anointed you are. You cannot be, a, go and be writing your psalms in the cave. Don't come to this church again, because I, when you are coming, ladies, on this side. <laughs> the Lord is good. Anyway, just by the way, you don't know what Christ did in changing people. 
You don't know what Christ did in changing people. The Bible doesn't make any with all of these things. I don't know. I just feel the Lord wanted him to do that. Don't let anybody undermine your faith. Brother that passed away recently, does that say this one happened? Just go and gather his messages. Feed on them. Your faith will be built up. So I was saying, so God gave us teachers. My life, those foundational days, I remember Dr. Olufarati in Ondo State. Ah, every time he would come, I was a little boy, teenager. Every time we would go to his house or go to the church where he used to teach, the way the man used to talk about spiritual things, you felt like walking on water. The day he, I, my mother told me that he had died, I cried. Ah! He's the one I told you that. He said he stopped on the way. He mistakenly splashed water on some elderly people while driving. So he stopped just to tell them his story. One of them decided to be raining curses on him. The other one accepted the apology and calmed down. So after a while, he got provoked in the spirit and said, let me caution you. I am a, listen. He said, I'm an anointed servant of the Almighty God. Nobody talks to me like this. See, I'm just warning you. Shabi, I was been begging you. You are beginning to cross the red line. I'm adding my own words now. I'm an anointed servant of the Almighty. You don't talk to me like this. Now you're man. Talk. He said, okay. I return your curses to you. The man dropped and died. Not later, on the spot. He collapsed there and died. All he said is, I return your curses to you. That man just dropped and died. The second one ran away. <laughs> he ran to the village nearby, gathered people to please come home. Of course. Listen. There's a proverb in Yoruba land. Let me give you half of it. Say people, they respect persons when they take cap, kill elephant. You know, elephant, they run. You carry your cap, bam, elephant die. <laughs> It's half, it's half of the bride. We'll give the second half. <laughs> the man used his cow to kill the elephant. The, everybody, they came down, prostrating, kneeling down, please. Because he's a man, he's dead. He's, because he said he stood by the cops. Waited. And they gathered. And he told them, listen, and it's a opportunity for witness. Yeah, told them who he was, why what happened happened. After begging, he bent down, laid hands on the man, commanded the man to come back to life. The man woke up, sneezed. He entered his car and drove away. You hear that, those things like that as a child? Where you want backslide to go? <laughs> to where now? When we began to study the word of God line by line, I was introduced to Kennedy Hagen. Last week, I met the Kennedy of Nigeria, Pastor uh, Tokumbo Adijuan. He came to te- teach in Enugu. Is the head of, that's why I call him the head of Rima, Nigeria. We sat down together in his hotel room that Sunday. We just talked, spent over an hour talking, you know. Told him, really, how Kenny Higgins was such a blessing to us. We learned line by line from him. Then along the line, we learned from people like E.W. Kenyon. Two kinds of righteousness. Two kinds of faith. Two kinds of love. Those are three of his books. The day I was reading Two Kinds of Faith, sir. Hey, my father. The first three or four pages, I was in LT4 Pharmacy, University of Benin. I realized I could not sit down. I was vibrating. So I left the class, went outside to go and sit on a bench there. 
to be able to read two kinds of faith. The man, as he was dropping, the, he writes line by line. Doesn't write long. He just one sentence, one sentence, one sentence. That's how it goes. And I was literally, I'm not joking, I was vibrating up and down like this. I couldn't sit still. One guy sat, came to sit on that bench in my mind. I just left the class. If you want to hear the word of God, sit here. If you want me to vibrate, you fall over. But me, I'm not stopping. I don't know whether the guy finally got up and left, but me, I was there making my noise. Then one day I entered the room. One brother was vibrating on the bed. I said, what are you doing? He says, read two kinds of faith. He said, Banky, you've read this book. How did you sit? I said, that, who told you I sat? <laughs> I told him, who told you I sat down? I said, I couldn't sit down. He was rolling up and down, jumping up and down the bed and screaming and shouting. Maybe that's the anointing I used to write. That's tracks on healing. What, what's the title? Something to your healing, for your healing. A prayer for your healing, yes. Because one day I gave it to one woman in my office. I gave it to them in the office. So I just sat down there, it was like an open office. The woman was saying, Yay! Ah! Jesus! She was just, she was shouting and exclaiming. So I said, Madam, any problem? She was like, What? You know what? She didn't realize she was saying anything. I said, You were shouting? She said, I was? She said, She did not know she was shouting. Just reading that tract, a prayer for your healing. E.W. Kenyon, tremendous blessing. Along the line, we met people like Derek Prince. You cannot be stupid if you listen to Derek Prince. You can't be ignorant. The man knows book too much. And something I know about British preachers. They are very systematic. Derek Prince is one of the most intelligent men I've ever listened to. He will be talking to you like say, look, in Dutch, he just give you the sentence in Dutch. He said, no, the way it is in, um, uh, the sweet said like this. And he's not trying to brag, just telling you something. Another message, just preaching. He said, Swahili. He just give you a word of Swahili. I said, man, this man is intelligent. And he used that intelligence to follow the scriptures. He said, let me give you the prince's version. He said, I'm not saying I'm always right, but I, I know Greek enough to teach it at university level. He said, that does not make me always right. It means I'm entitled to my opinion. That's how he says it. That I know Greek enough to teach it at university level. You now give you the word in Greek. Explain it. You know, I said, this is the prince's version. It was from him I first understood when he said that, Jesus said to Peter, Simon, Simon, Satan has sought to save you all like wheat. But I prayed for you, Peter, that your faith will not fail. And when you are converted, you strengthen, it's back to the general, the brethren. Oh, you listen to the reference, you will know scriptures. It doesn't mean, I mean, it doesn't mean I agree with this man 100%. But forget the little, you disagree with somebody 5%, then celebrate the 95. Some people will celebrate that 5%. There are things I say I've heard before I don't agree with, and I heard it from this man. But I won't celebrate it. I celebrate in 95%. These are people that will build up your faith. Along the line, I now met people like John G. Lake. I hardly met this man physically. Then I remember I met Bishop David Doyedepo. Oh, somebody said you appear good all the time. I said, because I'm good inside. And if you are good inside, it makes you good outside. And I believe in good things because good things are good. Friends, I believe in good things. 
I can never forget that message, the gospel of abundance, preached in 1990. I must have listened to that message more than 150 times. Oh, that's an underestimate. Your eyes will behold your teachers. That's what I'm going to explain. You think you just learned the scriptures because you are so intelligent all by yourself? The Holy Spirit did not design it like that. Say, so men came before you. Pay attention to their words. I will build on top of it in your life. That's how it works. To build our faith, oh. David Paulson, oh, these are amongst the men I've met over time. I didn't meet them personally. Books, tapes, you know, that's it. He said the only problem he has with his wife is his books. The man has his books in thousands. People have asked me about, uh, what, 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 what does Christianity have to say with drinking alcohol? I always send them to David Paulson. Because his systematic analysis is unrivaled in my experience. His systematic analysis. He will explain why the Bible says don't look at wine when it is red. He will tell what is wrong with that wine being red. He will explain. Give strong drink to him that is about to perish. He will take the scriptures apart and show it to you. Then at the end of the day, he will draw a conclusion that you have no choice but to draw yourself. So then everybody asked me about alcohol. I said, just go to davidperson.org. Look at what he has to say on alcohol. It's amazing. Are you getting my point here? You think I have? Listen, if you want to do everything by yourself, you won't go far. You won't go far. You won't go far. When Kenny Higgin discusses the healing anointing, I've not heard anybody explain the healing anointing like him. None. You don't have a brother. Let me not mention his name. Say that the person, the receiver, doesn't need faith. Can I again show that 70% of people that or so of people that Jesus healed were healed on the basis of their own faith. And this is a man that God put healing anointing physically in his hands. So he wasn't saying there doesn't exist. But he would teach faith to get healed. Oh, these people taught. I'm just giving you a few examples. I didn't tell you about our senior brothers in school. Because you won't know them, you don't know where to get their message. People like Pastor, if you book it, remember him. They taught us those days in university. They helped us understand the scriptures. I said, number one, remember? Read the Bible. Two, teachings by men. When I say men, women also. Who God anointed. People with understanding. God anointed them to teach you. Pay attention to their words. Then number three. Testimonies of those who have experienced the power of God. Many of times they're also in that second category. But I like that testimony. A whole book, small though, Adventures in God by John Gillick. To just give it, it's like the book of Acts in modern day. To see what God has done in the lives of people. What am I saying? You do these things, you are feeding yourself with what? Knowledge and understanding. The more spiritual insight you have, the more the seed of faith that God has planted inside you as a child of his is built up. Faith is not a bojo. I hope you're my point. It's not, you know they call bojo? Both faith. You just get up say, if you can do it, I can do it. Oh yeah, let's go. That's what they call fools rushing in. Into where even angels fear to thread. It's ignorance. Is ignorance. When I was much younger, when I see surgeons do some things, ah, I used to wonder. 
you just open somebody's heart. You know fear. You crack somebody's skull open. So you want to repair the brain. He has a tumor. I, you know, when we watch it on TV, then I became a student. You go to theater, and you see this will carry knife. I hope you know they were not doing the goju. Because some people think they're goju. We've known of, you know, oddlies who just be people. Then go to the village, they say they are surgeons, and they'll be killing people. There was one man who was a mortuary attendant in Germany, came back to Nigeria in Nemo State and started a big hospital. I know that. Yes. He came from abroad now. He was a mortuary attendant. And you know the funny thing? Other people that were in Germany with him, they were watching. I said, human beings are wicked. The only time he got exposed was one day he opened his mouth and insulted somebody who's a real doctor who also came from Germany. Germany said, that mortuary attendant is talking. That was how he got exposed. When he was killing people, they didn't expose him. Let's not even go near there. The point I'm going to make is this. He used boldness. He thinks it's boldness. He just cut somebody's intestine open. You don't know intestine has its own logic. When you touch the intestine, there are preparations you make for the next three days. Because intestine has been touched. Once you touch it, it shuts down. And if you don't know, the patient will bloat and die. Why you watch? Now, this is where I'm going. Why are the surgeons so, so bold? I'll tell you what. First, they have to pass physics, chemistry, biology. They enter university, pass advanced physics, chemistry, biology again, first year. They study anatomy, physiology, and biochemistry. Then do pharmacology. Then they keep on reading, 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 reading. Six years will pass. They go for one year training, come back again, and start another five years of training. That is what gives them confidence. It's called knowledge and understanding. It's not a boju. It's not what is it. It's not interesting. Bring it. <laughs> It's not like that. It is systematic training. They know the structures that are passed here, the ones that don't pass here, the ones you don't touch, the ones you touch, how you put your knife, the ones you don't use. The, they, that is, it's line upon line. That is what brings that boldness. That's what brings the boldness. It's not how you feel. Some people are naturally bold. If you see a naturally bold surgeon disappear, he will kill somebody. I'm telling you. In fact, the naturally timid ones, they are better. So by the time he gets up to do something, he's been well trained. What am I going to say? What gives us boldness of faith is what I'm talking about here. It is that accumulation of spiritual knowledge and understanding. That's what gives it. And that's why Paul when he wants to pray, he will pray that God will open the eyes of your understanding by giving you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That's how, that's how it, goes. it goes. When Elijah was, uh, Elisha, Elisha was lying down there, and when they surrounded him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? You know, there's something they say in Western Nigeria. Say the elder knows what he already ate before he came. When they say that this one is enough. You know, you want to say, maybe I come to you and I say, ah, ah Pastor, you, know, you bring one man. I say, no, 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 just bring one small saucer, just one piece of fish and small salad. Say, the guy is not dieting. He chop on the yam before he come off a house. I hope you're getting my point. What I'm going to say, sometimes when you see some levels of boldness, ask what the people have seen. 
I hope you're getting my point. Elisha. They said the soldiers have surrounded us. They said, mm, greet them for me. He said, I lost my master. What are we going to do? He said, nothing. Why not? Because those who are with us are more than those who are looking for us there. The servant said, okay, sir. He went up. So they are kind of getting close. I don't mean to be disrespectful, <laughs> but you see. <laughs> you know, initially, I actually thought they were like 10, but when they got closer, I saw that because they are on chariots, so they are like 50, sir. So can you count those people that are with us again? <laughs> Finally, so you could rest. Elisha said, Lord, I beg, open his eyes. What does that tell you? Elisha has seen something. He said, Lord, open his eyes. Ah. Then the guy did like this. He saw the mountain surrounded with chariots of fire. He said, yeah, come now. If you can cross the... Mm, come. You know that kind of... You are telling the other boy, mm, you know your, your senior bro is just around the corner. You want to fight? Come now. Come. Mm. Start making faces based on what you have seen. Our faith is built up because of knowledge and understanding. I wanted to start from somewhere today. Let's go there. Ephesians chapter 1. That's how this thing is going. Faith is, don't forget it, that man didn't know he had faith. He just had insight. The Syrophoenician woman didn't know there was something called faith. All this, this plenty talk on faith, 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 is part of the problem. Do you get my point? Because, you know, there's a little book, well, not so little, one of our books will be out hopefully by, within, which month are we in? March, okay, before the end of April, I hope it will be. It's ready, it just now needs to go through the final editing process and then go to press. Titled, We Walk by Faith. In the book, I started by explaining what, the, what is faith. People talk about faith, they say faith is the substance of things hoped for. I said that's not what faith is. That is what faith does. Because when you are defining things, you can define it based on structure, based on function. Like I said, what's a car? A car is a piece of metal cabin that has four wheels and has a steering wheel inside. You know, you can describe it like that. Or you can say a car is that which carries us from one point to the other, which is run by... You know, there are many ways you can describe it. It dawned on me that the Bible never bothered to explain to us what faith is. Do you know why? It's part of life. Everybody, when they were writing the scriptures, they understood it. He just had to explain to them what it does. That, listen, it is the substance of any expectation that the believer has. And it's the evidence, like I said, you know, it's a machine by which we see that which is not visible to the eyes. He says the evidence of things not seen. He was saying what faith does. Because really, the way they understood faith, faith is just your life. You build it up without even knowing you are building it up. I define faith, well, I don't know how I define it there. It's the knowledge you walk by, you understand? The reliance upon the knowledge you walk by. I've forgotten the words I used. I used. So acquaintance with knowledge for the child of God is what increases faith in the person's life. Those who really know, who really have faith, don't even realize how much of it they have. Many people are shouting, faith, faith, by my faith, by my faith. Once you have my faith, my faith, my faith, my faith, you probably don't have. Because if you had, you wouldn't be using the word faith. 
You'll be, you'll be telling us. I don't know what I get my point. Like statements like, sir, why are we not afraid? He said, by faith, we're not afraid. No. Elisha didn't say that. He said, oh boy, cool down. Those who are on our side, our guards are more than those soldiers. It was a statement of fact. When he said, those who are with us. Well, that's what they meant. Those who are protecting us. They are more than those um, um, enemy soldiers coming. I didn't know by faith. But he wasn't saying by faith I know. He was just giving what? A matter of fact. The knowledge was so real to him. Even though those soldiers did not show up, that is his own heavenly soldiers, didn't show up one moment to do anything that appeared like. But he knew they were there. Because they manifest different ways. Angelic activity, there are different kinds of angelic activities. In that particular situation, it was blindness. God struck them with blindness. He came out and they could see. I hope you're getting my point. Physically, they could see. They could see there was a man here. Or there is a man here. He is talking to us. They could see the road. He said, who are you looking for? Say, Elisha the prophet. Say, follow me. And they followed Elisha the prophet to go and look for Elisha the prophet. And they walked into the center of Samaria and did not know where they were entering. They were entering the center of enemy territory looking for Elisha the prophet. Then when they got there, Elisha said, it's okay. The spirit opened their eyes. And the men realized that they were not, of course, by that time, they had been surrounded by a whole garrison. Because the king was there. The king said, my master, what do I do? Should I kill them? Ah, Elisha said, kill who? If the ones you captured by yourself in battle, they are called prisoners of war. Do you kill them? The king said, no. He said, what's the normal thing to do to POWs? You feed them. Say, set food in front of them. Those guys, I'm sure not, they ate that food by force. Eat, my friend. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. We are eating. We are eating. <laughs> when they finish, let them go. That was angelic activity. It's not every time angels kill people. By the angelic activity of that day, the blinded men, their eyes were open, but they were not perceiving anything. But Elisha knew. He didn't know he was walking by faith. He just knew. I hope you're getting my point. Let me just give you a bit of information. You know those angels, they are not only around Elisha. They surround your own household too. They do. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so does the Lord surround his people. You are surrounded. I say you are surrounded. It's a matter of fact. God's angels, they surround you. You know, the truth is that each person is allotted at least one angel when he's born. Isn't that not in your Bible? It's there. It's there. How do I know? Jesus said it. He said, there are angels behold the face of my father. Getting instructions, the small children. Say, let the children, little children come to me. You've never read that before. The Lord is good. So spiritual insight is what we must pursue. How to build up our faith just to know things. And one thing I want us to know, I've been trying to read it for some time. I think the Holy Spirit has not allowed us to get there. Quickly, the book of Ephesians, chapter 1. What I wanted to talk about today, but we'll just keep learning. Maybe we may get back to it later. I want to introduce the matter of um, which word do I use for it now? I want to talk about hierarchies <laughs> in the spirit, yes. Yes, spiritual hierarchies. But that word looking too powerful, not good for a title. I'm just thinking of words. That, anyway, we'll find a word for it later. But what, what I'm trying to bring out is that for us to understand 
the way God has ordained things to be, because it's knowledge. You hear me say all the time that my children are not afraid of witches, that because the culture of unbelief in that area, they were not raised up on it. You can't go and tell any of my children that somebody took your name to the coven and they will not be crying. You know, there are children that you tell that their friends who used to threaten them will take your name to the coven. Say, do you know I'm a witch? I'm sure if you tell any of my kids you are a witch, they're going to laugh at you. Say, eh, what is witchcraft like? There's nothing you want to tell them that will give the impression your power is superior to that of the Lord Jesus Christ in their lives that they will believe. Why? They've not been raised like that. Since this time they were children, my wife and I had a policy. You don't scare them with the dark. Ojuju will catch you. I words my children didn't grow up with. They are more afraid of me than the devil. Did you hear what I said? If the devil is somewhere, that is somewhere, and they have committed, they say, devil will shift. <laughs> they are more afraid of me than the, of the devil. Why? Nobody ever scared them with the devil. They've learned, like everybody, that Satan only does three things. He tempts, he deceives, and he accuses. They've never heard us pray in the house out of fear. In all those fear-leading prayers, they have never heard it. This morning, all we did was give thanks. We sang songs, we worshipped God, and we give thanks. And we drop a word of blessing for the country, for the church, for relatives and friends. Spent all the time singing songs and reading psalms. Oh, the witches are after us. They've never after who? Who? Now this is where I'm going. So where did that come from? I'm an African like everybody. I'm an African. Like everybody around here. Like all the people who are doing listen. Let me tell you the truth. No, Paul used to say I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. Eh? It was not a Hebrew when he was saying he was a Christian. But anywhere it was coming from. I'm a Yoruba of Yoruba men. That's where I'm going. If you think you know Juju, I know more than you. You're an man. What do you know? Did they do Juju for here? The one way they do that small thing. My friend who's from Imo State, he said, Bank, let me tell you the truth. Hmm? He's from Imo State, my very good friend. He said that when they were young, that they used to tell people around them who work in federal government, don't contest with a Yoruba man for postal. That if he said, if a man is a, is a deputy director, and one Yoruba man, the other deputy director, and the re- director retires, they just said, I want you to retire. Don't contest with that Oshogbo man. <laughs> Why? Because they believe he will kill him. And not, not gun. They don't carry gun. They just do release two things. That, he said that's what they believe. That is serious respect. And that's where I'm from. That's what I'm trying to prove to you. Yet I'm not afraid. You should ask me, what did I eat? I've ne- you see, I started learning the word of God early. I told you I was still young. I was a teenager. So hide from somebody, say, get spiritual power. Never in my life. You can't scare me with it. You know, Pastor Tokes was telling us his story. I don't know. Yinka was there. Pastor Murphy was there when we went for that program. Of course, he's, he's from a, a, well, at least I think he grew up in Ibadan. He said one old man told him that 
no metal object, like a gun or knife, or it can penetrate his skin. So look at the man. Say, if I cut you, you will bleed. The man said, it's a lie. He said, this one happened to him. He was watching. So, feel what I'm going to say. These things really happen. He was telling us the story. They told the man that, well, if you want the challenge, I'm up to it. So the man asked for alligator pepper, took some pieces, counted them, put it in his mouth, chewed, released some incantation, spat it in water, drank the water and swallowed it. And said, oh yeah, bring it on. <laughs> he said, I told the man, <laughs> yeah, let them test it first. One person was given a blade. It cut the man. The place would turn white and seal back. And he was watching it. So he just smiled. He said, let me have the blade. Of course, these are, the, these are people that have learned spiritual authority. He said, under his breath, he rebuked the devil. He commanded that spirit to desist in his maneuvers and get out of here. And he said, he remembered that David said, deal gently with that boy for my sake. He says, this is an old man. He's old enough to be my father. He says, why so I cut him gently. And the thing began to bleed. He dropped the blade. The old man looked, looked at him. So I thought, look, I didn't want to enjoy your fork. That is, I didn't want to enjoy you. He said, the old man looked at him like, what do you know that I don't know? He said, yes, that's the name of Jesus. You don't know it. I'm not telling you that, look, these things are not jokes. So when you hear me talk the way I talk, I went to preach somewhere where a bunch of rich ignoramuses were. You know, they left the place saying that this pastor does not know African demons. I felt like, in fact, next, not that I felt like, next day I came. I, I didn't use the word shame on you. I said, follow who no road. I don't know African demons. Can you sleep the way I sleep? I don't know African witches. Can you sleep the way I sleep? Can you walk boldly the way I walk? That, 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 that was the challenge I threw. Vinima said, follow who no road. Follow who no road. You are there. You can't sleep at night. You know, people are so funny. They like bondage. Oh, they love bondage. If somebody comes and says, listen, all your enemies, tonight we are going to kill all of them. We are starting by 12 midnight. Everybody go there. They want to fight. I tell you, listen, I, I have some very funny habits. Most January ones, January 31st, to, uh, sorry, December 31st to January 1. When I'm alone, they give my family travel. I'm asleep. I wake up January 1, say, it's New Year. Okay, praise God. So you have to cross over in church. Why? Do you know when the spirit crossed over? You think that? <laughs> you think the Holy Spirit is using your calendar? What did I do on my birthday? I, I, I'll be on my birthday. You come out, we pray for you. You want to cross over December? Make up your mind, my friend. When is your year changing? And your birthday say it's starting a new year. Then January first starting a new year. You're really confused. Who will convert your most? Jan- Look. The reason why I go to church January 1st, uh, December 31st night, is for fireworks and to carry my... When they enter church, me and my outside, I'm on the phone. So you prophesy into the new year. Like, don't worry, my soul. The year is not starting today. It's not starting today. I have some very funny habits. Too. My wife used to say, I'm the strangest Christian she ever met. She said, you still married me. Why did you marry a strange Christian? You, you like my strangeness. <laughs> don't, 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 don't pretend. <laughs> I 
You see where I'm going? I'm not going to say, what creates such habits? I'll t- yeah, I was telling you about Kenetiki, right? Tell you about E.W.A. Kenyon. Tell you about John G. Lake. Tell you about those people because they taught me early simple things like, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So I'm not afraid. I'm not. If you tell me, say, a, a, a man is an oboni man. I have come to realize over time. That's why I tell you, I like the word oracles of God. I tell you, we're in a cult, and I mean it literally. I have come to realize that the Obunu man is blind. If he had open eyes, he would have come to me to say, Sir, can you take me to the house of your God? How do I know that? That's why I said we should read. Let's start reading. I was brought up on this information, and these are truths. Please, let me say something to you. When you talk about uh, sacrifices, African magic, all those things, they are real. Which is, they kill people. They kill people. Balaam can kill somebody. I hope you're getting my point. So, I am not of them who say, there is nothing like that, there is something like that. You know, there are a lot of people who say there is no coronavirus. There is coronavirus. The only thing I say is that it will not kill you. Are there witches? Most certainly. Is there devil? Of course. Do people conjure spiritual powers? Most certainly. But one thing I know for sure, you know, I told you we have learned these things for a long time. A lot of people who shout faith, faith, they don't know anything. I'm sorry to say it. I don't mean any insult. Because there are some things, if you just understand spiritual, because, see, if you go and read Jude, there are statements Jude will make. There are statements even James will make. There are sometimes people just rail about things they don't understand. Those angelic forces are real. They are, they are, they are real. A lot of people make noise. Even who said they are teaching faith, I say, you don't understand spiritual things. They just rail about uh, angels, get out of angels, move. I say, they don't shout on angels. Leave that thing. There's a place I'm going to. They say, when they are teaching faith, they make, without realizing, they make Satan, the devil, look like there are two gods out there. The God of light is God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the God of darkness is Satan. No, there is nothing like that. There is one God. Whether you are in light or in darkness, you are subject to him. If you like, worship Satan. Worship the devil. The devil still goes to God to get permission. That's one thing a lot of people teach me don't understand. This our God is God and there is none other. He's not in contest with Satan. Then let's see who's stronger. No, he's not in doubt. I don't know whether you're getting my point. It is not in doubt. This is just understanding. So, when somebody says he wants to afflict me, I now say like Paul. Who can bring, do you get my point? Who can bring an accusation against me before this God? Do you follow my point? Who can separate me from the love of Christ? You know, there are statements I just understand. You can't scare me. One million witches gathered together against my case alone. They've just died. I told you that day, if you use spiritual power against somebody that God has blessed, you have ended your own life. The only thing that can keep you alive is repentance. No ma- Listen, no matter how small it is, so, once you fire out that arrow, it has gone out. It must land somewhere. And the word of God said to enter your own heart. That's the decree of the Almighty. 
I'm explaining something there. So because of that, you know, when he said the sons of God came to present themselves before God, and who came amongst them? You think he was on tourism? You think it was tourism to come and see what heaven is like? What are the modern amenities they put? Did they not have? Um, did they have the latest notes there? What's their Wi-Fi like? Came to check. Uh, have they have they mounted new masts? No. He came, listen to me, with his own petitions. You must understand, God sits in judgment. So every spirit appears before him. They come with their own petitions. Some come with reports. And I've explained before, like Balaam, people learn how to do these things. So what I just understand do you get my point? Is that when you say you have black power, you have black black power. I know you. St- I know you still have to go back to my father to obtain judgment against me, and I have an advocate with that father. I hope you're getting my point. So what I need to keep safe is to abide in Christ. So he says, "He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the covering, the shadow of the Almighty." If you like, appear to me as the devil. I will do him back to you. Like I said, let's introduce that spiritual hierarchy thing. And I think we can leave it there. We don't have to always stay. No, when, when the message has gone out, you should know. When it never come out finished, we leave it, we will go pretty 8 o'clock. <laughs> let's introduce this. Ephesians chapter 1. So is that hierarchy in the spirit I want to introduce? Because many people were talking to the African mindset, which people have carried into church. I said something to us before. A lot of our churches came from a background. Please, I'm not angry with people. So sometimes when I sound critical, please understand. I'm just trying to get knowledge, information out to the people of God. All right? I said this before here over the last few weeks. There are many of our churches in Nigeria, they have a very strong influence. You know, I told you that I'm from Western Nigeria, right? And if you check, if you have to look at the section of Nigeria that has the greatest influence in church, in church history in Nigeria, is Western Nigeria. It's a matter of fact. Now, as a matter of fact, when the gospel came in, it came into darkness. But because it was light... That darkness could not overcome it. But the men who carried the gospel had to fight a lot of darkness. Now, you see what I'm going to say? You will not find a man like Pi Elton who came with the knowledge of the supremacy of Christ. You will not find him preach some of the messages we preach. I've read some of his teachings. I've heard the things he said. You won't see him dwell on witch and wizard. you know why? He was from England. The gospel had been there for a long time. The so-called witches and wizards was, you know, they had had revivals and revivals. Churches, you know, Methodist church, Baptist church, all those kind of churches were all over the place. Anglican church was there, established. I hope, I hope you're getting my point. So their culture was different. When he came, he didn't realize, many people won't understand this. He did not realize he had to fight witches. He just preached the gospel. And the gospel fights his own witches. The light dispels his own darkness. When he finds darkness, he dispel it. You know those who are fighting witches? I'll tell you. The people he preached to. I hope you're getting my point. 
You know why? Because of their own background. Paul Ginadu said his mother took him and he ran, they went to hide him in London so that the other family members wouldn't kill him. He was from a polygamous home. There were Muslims in the family. That his mother, being one of the wives in the family, took his, her son, took him to London to keep him from the witches in the Badon. When you see Inka behaving the way he does, there's a reason. <laughs> he, has, he has seen witches. He has eaten with witches. <laughs> the Lord is good. So he ran away from Ibadan. Now, I don't think she was joking. They probably would have killed the boy. Rivalry. Listen, the natural man is very wicked. Now, when some of those people... Now, this, this, I need to explain this properly. Those people used to fight. You go to your own babalawo here. I go to my babalawo there. As he's conjuring spirits, all right, to protect you, he's conjuring spirits to injure me. I go to my own, and the same thing is going up and down. Sometimes those things, you know, when we're young, I remember one of our family friends, the girl just had an accident and died. Do you understand? And the father, that time he was getting his second wife, all right? And so there was some rivalry and all of that. And why was he getting his second wife? Because his first wife had only girls. And you know this, uh, you know, maybe you have one stupid chief tasty title that only passes on to boys. You are still serving Satan. You don't realize it, but you think you go to church, but you don't. Anyway, so he was involved with that kind of thing. So there was now the, the Jews were flying. They said, I don't know. He too had the Olenka, Babang Bejo. You know the Babang Bejo? And Baba Ajo. I don't know how to say that in English. Anyway, he had these Babas that handled his matter. That's literally Babang Bejo. So he would go to them, and they would do, you know, if I priest and all of they do all their things, and they told him that you shouldn't mind that woman, that's his senior wife, that whatever she's doing is going to fall on her head. He said to my mother, he told my mother this, when the girl died, that he did not, it didn't cross his mind, that her head that it is falling on is going to be his daughter. That's the foolishness of Satan. That's why you should have to pray for those. Because that's the safest way. This one, instead of them to pray, maybe he was hoping that something terrible happened to the woman. He did nothing. And the young girl wanted to just cross the road. A bus just took her. Little girl. Those things used to happen. That's why Paul Ginodo's mother ran away with her son. So when these people became Christians, that's what I'm talking about. They go to... Uh, what do you call it? Shrine here. And that person goes to shrine here. They gave their lives to Christ. You know what they did? Many of them. They continued the fight. But this time around, they don't go to shrines anymore. They go to church. But the mindset of fight never changed. My enemies, they after me, never changed. I hope you are getting my point. The words of the Lord Jesus Christ in that Matthew chapter 5 did not enter them. It didn't. They continued the fight. The only thing they changed was what? The weapon. So before, it was chicken sacrifice, bring salt, bring white cloth. This time around, it is prayer. So tonight we will pray. And we will show. That's how they pray the prayer. All the witches, all the wizards that are against you, 
he will not sleep. You will say, Baba. Everybody, you know the truth? It is the same fight mentality. They did not come, now this is what I'm saying carefully. This is what I'm saying carefully. They did not come with a victor's mentality. They came with a warrior's mentality. They returned to the fight. And be it unto you according to your faith. And they've been fighting ever since. And they started churches, and the churches are fighting churches. I'm sorry, this is my own reasoning about it. See all this prayer they pray? It's Yoruba culture. It's not Christian culture. See, you know, all this fire prayer they pray in Nigeria is pure Yoruba culture. That was how they've lived. Ah, I pray you will get my point. And because of that influence in the Nigerian church, it spread across until every poor person thinks somebody is responsible for his poverty. And poverty is terrible. You know, if we're all rich, you don't have time for all this. Uh, you just say, what is it? Uh, tell the witch I'm inside my GL. I'm traveling. I'll see the witch later. You won't even remember. But when hunger is worrying you, somebody is keeping me hungry. All those who said I will not eat. If you were eating, you wouldn't remember those who said you will not eat. What I'm saying may sound like a joke, but that is my sense. After years of thinking about it, that's my conclusion. It's not heaven's culture. It's not. It's an African warrior through juju culture. But the new juju now is called the blood of Jesus. That's why they sprinkle it anyhow. It's the same way they used to sprinkle the one we used to give. Nothing changed. But let me tell you Christian culture. We look at every which we pity. Yes, we understand that, listen, no matter which coven they are in, no matter which demons they are serving, they are inferior to us. That's why we don't fight. I mean, you know why we can't fight? We have, he said, we have entered into what the Bible calls what? The rest of God. Ken Hagen wrote a book called The Triumphant Church. That to triumph, let me explain, does not mean to win a battle. Yes, you know triumph. Yeah, many of us don't understand our English very well. Triumph is not the same thing as winning. To triumph is to celebrate victory. Are you getting my point? Let me give an example. After a match, you know those who win? See the way the winning team, they rush each other, hug each other, they carry the, uh, the, I mean the final, they carry the cup, they do a 100-meter lap. All that thing they are doing is called triumph. Victory is when you score the goal. But when you have won, everything you do afterwards in celebrating the victory is called triumphing. But our 40 English things that triumphing means to win. It doesn't mean to win. To triumph means to celebrate the victory and for us Christians, which we have in Christ Jesus. I hope you are getting my point. We're not fighting. We're not fighting. We are doing what? Celebrating victory. That was where many of our seniors got it wrong. They taught Christians to fight. So they returned Back to the trenches against those witches and Ogbanje spirits. Do they still have Ogbanje spirits? Those ones don't retire now. Are they still there? No, when we were young, there was Mami Water spirit. They gave room to Ogbanje spirit. By the time I became an old man, there was a spirit husband and spirit wife. Is there any other one still? They always have one that's raining. What is the raining spirit? 
But in that boski. Okay. <laughs> and that is good. I don't know this, because when we were young, every every young girl had to have a, an Ogbanje spirit. No, there was no spirit that was another, it was Ogbanje. Then there was Mami Water Spirit. And then there were but there were some real serpentine spirit too. Yeah, those ones were real serpentine spirit. Yeah. They possess some girls. And boys too. I told you when uh, it, 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 right? um, CPM. When they came to our school, when I was in university, to do crusade, went to cast out demons, my father. You know, that day I became afraid of everybody. <laughs> because, you know, these fine, fine campus girls, I don't say they get spirit. Evil spirit. Boys, that you just normal boys. They came out. When the man commanded spirit, ah! So I look for one tall guy still behind him. <laughs> they were looking over his shoulder because when, when he says, come out, I do it like this. <laughs> yeah, I gently raise my head, look, when everything looks calm, because I know I'm a spirit jam me, I better go. <laughs> I'm telling you, that was my first experience. The man was casting out demons. Ha! He said, Come. you see people fall over the place, scream. Yeep. After that, eh? in fact, I remember that night. That, I remember that girl. She was wearing one big black belt like this. I wanted to see her face so that when I see her nurse, I don't go greet her because... <laughs> you know, growing up, we told you say spirit now, you know, old woman in the village, you know, so one girl that will have two, you know, marks here and here, and they will now... This one, you know, makeup, you know, everything. Fine girl. And Ezekiel, German. The spirit flew out. Then I had dodge. After that, you look at everybody with school suspicion. <laughs> the Lord is good. The point I was making about the battles is that so we, it's unfortunate, but we, are, we didn't learn that what God did for us has been completed in Christ Jesus. And our own is just to celebrate the victory. A man like Piatin probably came. He knew that. And he didn't have the problems some local people had. You know, I said, why did the local people have those problems? Why didn't those witches just leave them alone? I'll tell you. One major reason. Listen to what I'm saying carefully. One major reason is that they had been trained in unbelief. Those things are so real to them. They found it hard to, like, if witches just show whoa at night. They knew the witches were real. They wouldn't sleep. They wake up to pray. So the witches will come back, but this now becomes what? Like play. I scare you, you pray. I scare you, you play. But if they had known the truth, they would have turned in their bed and gone back to sleep, knowing fully that there's nothing those spirits could do against them. The spirits will stop coming. If you are careful to watch something I've been saying, I'm not saying those spirits don't exist. I'm saying that Christians were in a particular realm Let's read it quickly. We'll close with it. Because of time, I'll start from verse 18, Ephesians chapter 1. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling. I just, I would have started from 15, but to save time. And what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe? 
These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which is brought about in Christ, when he raised him up from the dead. Now follow this. And seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet. Notice that. And gave him as the head over all things. That is him that is the head over all things. He gave to who? The church. Which is his body. The fullness of him who fills all in all. Now I want you to understand something there. That God, let, let, I want to read in the translation. And God put all things under the authority of Christ. And has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. So Jesus is head over all things, right? For whose benefit? The church. Now let's now continue. Verse 2, chapter 2. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world According to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now walking in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived, we are unbelievers, in the loss of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, that is, were subject to the wrath of God, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. Now, please follow this. We were dead. He came to our death state. He woke us up and made us alive together with Christ. He said in bracket, by grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated, seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ. I think I will stop reading here because of time. The main reason I read these two verses in chapter 1, in chapter 1, in verse um, 20, he said there was a power that he brought out in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand. God the Father's right hand in the heavenly places. First verse. And he said that was for the benefit of the church. And second verse I wanted to note in verse 2. He said, We too were dead, then he raised us up. We're dead in our transgressions. He raised us together with Christ. And seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Where are we seated? On the right hand of God or not? Exactly the same place where Christ is seated. The relationship between me and evil spirits right now is the same between Christ and them. I'm talking about hierarchy. Is Christ higher than demons? So am I. I didn't hear you. So, thank you very much. So are you also. That's what we're making. You is seated with that on the right hand of God. And that same seat, he called you and I to share in, 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 in sitting there. So if we are in Christ, we are seated on the right hand of God. I'm talking about hierarchy. Far above what? 
principalities and powers and every name that is named. That is the genesis of all the things I've been saying. The more Christians realize this, the more they realize this, the more they realize that it is unnecessary to wake up at night to be fighting spirits. What they need to do is just remain seated where they are supposed to be seated. Many times some of these fights requires them to borrow a ladder, climb down from where they are seated, come to the level of the spirits and start waging war. In your personal lives, you are not allowed to do that. That's why those of us who were trained early in these truths, those those early days when we were reading Kenneth Higgin and people like him who taught us, this was where they centered on. They made it clear to us, we are, not, we are not the same level with evil spirits, with witches and wizards. And we learned it early, so we were bold to walk in the dark, we were bold to kick cowries out of the road. If you see cowries on the road, some people, you know, they can't pick it. May I pick it, I look at it. This must be from a crustacean. We turn it to biology. He said, they use it for divination. I use it for biology. Have you? Hey, see, there are many crustaceans out there, right? Have you not been to the beach before? Well, those of you who have not, and some of you have never left, you know, go, I understand, but. <laughs> and you've been to the beach, just joking there, all right? You've seen the cowries there. They are there, they're on the beach. Because literally, they are shells of sea animals, all right? So, Babalawo can come pick his own. So, can I come pick my own? I hope you're getting my point. And peradventure, a Babalawo. Is the one that dropped that one on the floor. Once I touch it, the spirit will disappear. I hope you are getting my point. My presence cast out demons. One day we went somewhere. Where, okay, there's a hotel in Bini called Motan Hotel. So one preacher we brought, he said, we should start casting out Motan spirit. As he was approaching here, he saw that the name of the hotel is Motan. A motor is a Bini goddess. And so for us to be in a motor hotel, we first have to cast out the spirit. <laughs> I felt like saying, bros, when we came, the spirit left. The spirit didn't need to be cast out. He said, said, church people have come. It left. And let us assume it is a motor that owns the hotel. We can't cast it out. We have to leave the hotel. Yeah, spiritual. No, really, yeah, if it was really a motor, you can't come to my house and cast me out. You need Chris. How can you come to my house and cast me out? You can't do that. But the truth is that there was no emotion. And they didn't just the name of the hotel. Bini people gave it the name of one of their princesses of those days. And in case I want bringing a spirit, the earth is the Lord's. And the hotels thereof. And once the people of God arrived, the spirit went out. Then when we go away, the spirit can return. If people who attract spirits come there. I'm talking about spiritual hierarchies. Like I said, just introduce it today. Now, this is the reason why Christians walk in boldness. It's a, it's a fact. I hope you're getting my point. It's not, you know, I told you there was one Bini prince that was preaching one day. He talked about he was an occultist all his life until he was in his 60s. And then one day he gave his life to Christ. Why did he give his life to Christ? Because one day, somebody, now his, his wife and children, they were Christians. And they were praying in the house. He said he did not know, listen, get my point. He didn't think anything of it. He's worshipping this God. They want to worship this God called Jesus. To him, it's another of those gods. He's a many God person. 
And the gods, according to the gods I have, they are good to me. They've been good to me. And they are doing me well. So I don't need an extra god. But he allowed his wife and his children to be worshipping this strange Oyubo man's god called Jesus Christ. Except that one night, he got woken up. He woke up. He didn't see anybody. But he knew somebody woke him up. Who is that? The person said, get up. He got up. There's a shrine attached to his room. Say, go inside there, pack all your gods. He said, that place, nobody enters but him. There are things there that women don't touch. There are some he has to give a blood sacrifice every day. And the person said to him, pack everything. So he began to pack. They were small, you know, different sizes of shigiri. You know they call shigiri? All right, different sizes of carvings and all of that. Amulets and straps of leather. He kept on packing until, according to him, filled two traveling bags. The person said, yeah, go and enter your car. So he went to his car, opened the boot, he put the bags inside, and the person said, drive to Susu and so River. I told him the river in Benin to drive to. And he drove to that river by, this was started by 3 a.m., by 4 a.m., he was on, in that, on that river, on the bridge. So the person told him, come down, take the bags and toss them into the water. So he took the two bags, things that he had nursed since he was maybe in his 30s, in his 20s. He took the two bags and flung them into the river. Now, that's not the part of the story I like. And the person said, you can go home. So he went back home. Now, the part of the story I like, this is why I told the story, is this. He said, you may be asking me, why was I obeying when I couldn't see anybody? He now said, I want to quote him verbatim. Listen to me, verbatim, I'm quoting him now. He said, if you have been in the occult, you will know when a power superior to yours is talking to you. He said, this idea of arguing didn't cross his mind. You know Egbo has come. You, he said he knew whoever is speaking, I can't match his power. So the, he didn't try to ignore you know, this incantation. It's when two witches are fighting. Have you ever watched Yoruba films? Father, you'll be on this side. Oshabu, me will be on that side. This one, we talk another one. This one, we talk your own. They have this uh, horn with this thing. Ah, a war. You go like this. They will be fighting. You know why? They're on the same level. They are using the same powers. Then the more diligent we win is the same power. Which is why Christians don't fight like that. You can't imagine Jesus standing here or shall me on the other side. He said, Jesus and two demons. Ah, wait, I'm coming. Let me go and get more scripture. I am the light of the world. He sought. Just, just look. Out. Out of him. You foul spirit. I rebuke you. That's it. There's no fighting. They are not mates. And we are where? Seated with him on the right hand of the majesty. That is the reason why we don't fight like that also. Our fight is to stay in Christ. Not to be battling foul spirits down there. That man said that day, if you have been in the occult, you will know when a power superior to yours is talking to you. And of course, he found out after six months. It took him six months because he said he was confused. Because after that person left, I never spoke to him again until one day he went for a church service. And he realized that it was Jesus Christ that took hold of him that day. The same way he took hold of Paul.
And as a 70-something-year-old man, he was there, testifying of the goodness of that Lord Jesus Christ. We are dealing with the superior power here. Not superior, supreme. There is none like him. I said there is none like him. I said there is none like him. There is none like him. He has no rival. Oh, God. I say he has no rival. I say he has no rival. He has no rival. Satan is not an opposite and equal. No. He is far beneath his feet. And guess what? Our lives are hid with Christ in God. Where are we seated? On that level, on the right hand of God in the heavenly places. Far above principalities and powers. That is why we walk in confidence. Bow down your heads and give the Lord thanks for that. Let's continue to thank the Lord for opening our eyes again to this spiritual truth. Let's bless his name and say, Father, we thank you. Thank you, Lord, for opening my eyes. Thank you, Lord, for making me understand where I truly belong.